Canterbury Tales, Chapter 6, Tourism Operators While we were waiting for the farm stay, stroke bed and breakfast part of the business to crank up, we decided to focus on the farm tour side of the operation. We now had a reasonable menagerie of creatures, great and small, to make us an unusual and hopefully interesting place to visit and invest a few dollars. Before the five-year plan was so brutally brought forward, Elaine had over the years advertised for and successfully received several visits from mainly seniors groups who came to feed the alpacas, wander through the gardens and have a Devonshire tea and appear to thoroughly enjoy themselves. The gardens have been a good draw card as they transformed from a rambling country garden with curious little pathways and bridges to secret gardens, a fernery and a more formal garden closer to the cottage. A farm and garden tour page was added with an attempting and alluring photos to the website offering tours for $10 an adult and $5 a child, or family passes for $25. Then we set about planning for larger tours. An older couple we had known for years offered to help kick things off, as they were part of a friendly social group, who occasionally went out on a day's outing. We offered them a lovely tour with a very tasty homemade finger food lunch, followed by part two of the tour, ending up at the barn to inspect and enjoy the crafts. Elaine and I were quite excited about this new income stream, However, that excitement turned into nervous panic when a few days before the event, our friends rang us to confirm the numbers. There would be approximately 30 on the coach. 30, which is three O mouths to feed, I normally asked Elaine. On a coach? Where are we supposed to park that? was Elaine's bewildered reply. Action stations, all available, hands on deck. Let's see, that makes one and uh, two of us, I thought, my mind starting to race. OK, don't panic, Mr Mannering. While I started racing around the room, not panicking, Elaine sat down and started making a list of easy but tasty edibles and their ingredients before going to the computer to calculate the number of serves required for 30 people. Damn, she coats well on a crisis, I thought admiringly. I rushed outside to find a saw to start trimming the macrocarpa hedge line so a coach could hopefully put up the races without scratching its nice shiny paintwork and hopefully turn around in the paddock behind the barn. I didn't think the drive would take too kindly to have him to back all the way to the main gate. Surveying the not insignificant task ahead of me, I decided to postpone it temporarily and go back inside. Have you got a list of the stuff we need? I asked Elaine. I'd better go into town and get it so we can get things moving, I continued. For God's sake, just chill out, she commanded. Remember, we promised them a fresh homemade lunch, so we'll have to make it that morning, she continued. So there's plenty of time. The same morning, I asked, my eyes widening. They're arriving around 10am, so if we're up by 6am, it'll give us four hours. But if you're worried, we can make it, you can get up at five, Elaine calmly stated. I stood there quietly and rationally contemplating what she had said before racing out the door as I mumbled something about pruning and coaches. It was a fast and satisfying learning curve the morning of the tour. Not able to sleep too well during the night, I was up at 5am, transforming our homely cottage kitchen, built around an ancient coal range, into a spotless and sparkling expanse of smooth, hygienically clean services and work areas. Never having worked with Elaine in this kind of work environment before, I was pretty sure that's what I had achieved would be her minimum standard required to get the job done right, as was confirmed with the glowing smile I received when she joined me at 6am. So began the hours of slicing, dicing, tasting, chopping, mixing, whipping, tasting, spooning, stirring, tasting and spreading. Would you please stop putting your fingers in your mouth? Now go and wash them again, Chris, he admonished, sixth time. 
After a short break at 7.30am for a coffee, as the kids, barely noticing the change in our routine, scoffed a quick breakfast, grabbed their lunches and headed out the door to the school bus, we were back into it. As the hours slipped by, a variety of attractive-looking and very tasty morsels were created. I was very proud of my contributions, which included curried eggs and salmon and avocado crunches. These were so easy to make and looked and tasted so good. While the French stick that I had sliced into rounds, the tops of which I delicately painted with oil, were under the grill becoming crunchy, I mixed a small can of salmon into a bowl of cream cheese until it all dissolved into a creamy texture. A squeeze of lemon juice was quickly mixed in, and it was ready to spread on top of the cooling slices. I then decorated them with fine slivers of gherkin and tomato. The avocado version was decorated with slivers of strawberry and gherkin. I've always been a great fan of crunchy, creamy things. And so too have our luncheon guests over the years, it seems. It used to concern me a little in the early days as I watched these happy faces opening and closing over these yummies that there would be no leftovers for me, the creator extraordinaire of these delights. Fortunately, Elaine noticed my hungry body language and thereafter always used to hold a small selection back for me for when the tourists had taken their swollen bellies home. Thirty minutes before showtime, we both stood back and admired our handiwork. Every serving space in the kitchen, as well as the dining table, held platters and servers and plates adorned with sausage rolls, club sandwiches, avocado and salmon crunches, curried eggs, asparagus rolls, fruit kebabs, which were kiwi fruit, strawberry, pineapple and melon on skewers, caramel crunch slices, fruit cake and scones. Everything freshly created, prepared and garnished and looking divine. Checking the clock, we collapsed into a couple of chairs, gasping for a cup of tea. Signalling the coach as it pulled over to the shoulder of the highway, I ushered it inside the gates. With a hydraulic whoosh, the door opened and I climbed aboard, instructing the driver to follow his nose up the race, around the bend, and on up to the barn, where he could park while I greeted his passengers. As I was grabbing for the microphone, like a true tour professional, the driver touched my wrist and inquired whether the race was wide enough for him to drive through safely. Discreetly crossing my fingers, I advised him that it was no problem. Smiling happily at the sea of older faces smiling back at me, and not particularly nervous, as I was used to public speaking, I realised that I had no idea what I was about to say to them. We had something along the lines of, Hi, my name is Chris, welcome to Warwick's farm, a rare breeds farm, and so on. I remember that Elaine had told me to make sure I said something to get us out of any potential strife if there were any mishaps, so I advised them that we would take all care but no responsibility for them, and if they wanted to climb trees and fed out of them, then that was their lookout, which I think covered it pretty well, as well as getting a, a good laugh. I also advised them that Elaine was busy in the kitchen putting together some stale sandwiches and weak tea for them, and got another good laugh. The coach had made the short journey unscathed, and there were lots of smiles and ooing and ahhing at the alpacas as we pulled up, and I had a good feeling that things were going to work out okay. Apart from the logistics of suddenly catering for 30 people, we also had the problem of finding suitable tables and seating. The serving area was not a problem, as we have a lovely purpose-built sheltered barbecue area where we enjoy dining in the warmer months. The outside dining table was an ancient trestle table butted up against it. At one end, was ideal for a smorgasbord arrangement. The six outdoor dining area chairs were a start. We just had to come up with another 26. And some tables and, and some tables, and we were fine. I thought, frowning, my eyes scanning the area for inspiration. 
It is amazing how many things you accumulate over the years without realising it. An old park bench, sitting hidden and unused for years in the fernery, was tidied up and covered in a gingham tablecloth, which would accommodate another six skinny bottoms, which left only twenty more to find. A thankfully large, round, outdoor plastic table with six chairs, plus another four I found in an old shed, added to the tally. Sweating on the last ten, I remembered with a smile that our new barn had a couple of tables and plenty of chairs in and around it, and so began the slow furniture shuttle across the paddocks. We were lucky enough a few months later, after a long country drive to a quiet country restaurant, to pick up a matching set of four wooden slatted tables and eighteen chairs. They were being updated, needing some minor repairs, and we bought them for a song, as it seemed. No one was prepared to travel to pick them up. From then on, we have really looked the business. This first tour was a great success. While we did not have the menagerie that we do today, we still had plenty of weird and woolly animals they could get up close to and touch. It seemed that the highlight of the day, though, which was later confirmed by our friends, was the luncheon. They told us that quite literally, a lot of their visits over the years had indeed culminated in weak tea, soggy sandwiches and stale scones. As Elaine and I served them teas and coffees, I must admit to having mixed feelings as I watched them come back for seconds and thirds as the feast dissolved before my hungry eyes. So fresh, oh and all homemade, and such a lot of yummy food, they commented as they passed by, plates piled high as Elaine smiled at me sympathetically. Up until the earthquakes of 2010 and 2011, we had many luncheons, including one where we successfully catered for 70 people. We really slept well that night, and so did the bank manager. Since the quakes, visits by seniors groups have tailed off, as did the accommodation. But unlike the bed and breakfasts, the luncheons have not really picked up again to date. It is a shame, as while they were a lot of work, and did make some good money on those days, we did make some good money in those days, and a great deal of satisfaction watching those busy mouths.